Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 375 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the godfather, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? I'm wonderful. It's The weather's warm, the Reds won yesterday, and... It couldn't be any better, and the mask mandate seems to be dropping. The world couldn't get any better. Absolutely. I am, uh, you know, I'm still enthusiastic about this Reds team. Um, you know, let's, let's sort of recap the week, I guess. They did beat the uh, the Pirates in extra innings on Wednesday, to take two out of three, and that came off a uh, splitting the, uh, the Ohio Cup series with the Indians. One to one because there was, of course, a uh, the Sunday game it rained out. So since we uh, broadcast last, which which means that the uh, the the Ohio Cup will be decided, and we're all on the edge of our seats on a makeup game in August. Oh my goodness, man! I can't. I may have to. You know, I've been uh, boycotting going to uh, to a Reds game, but you're gonna go to Cleveland for? Oh, the- well, that's gonna be in Cleveland. That's right. Oh yeah, I can go to Cleveland. I'm definitely. Why would I miss it? I've always said if the Reds ever make it to a World Series or an Ohio Cup championship, I'm going to be there. Well, why wouldn't you be? I exactly. mean, how could you pass up the opportunity? Well, I mean, you know, when's the last time this team re- reached such heights? When was the last time this team won anything? That's a good point, see? <laughs> so since we're here last, the Reds are, went 3-2, and two basically, and it's the same team we've kind of seen for most of the season. They, you know, kind of just tread in water a little bit, but... Uh, you know, at times look really good. At times they look uh, the flawed team that they are, I guess. So let's get into the news, the biggest news of the week, though, which is on Friday night. Cincinnati was playing against those same Cleveland Indians in that Ohio Cup. And, you know, about halfway through the game, I tweeted out that uh, Wade Miley has serious Tom Browning vibes. And I was just saying, you know, it's a he's a lefty and he works really fast. Uh, as it turned out, there were some other things that uh, reminded me of Tom Brandon before it was over. He didn't get a perfect game, but Wade Miley did pitch his first career no-hitter, a rain-delayed game, just like Browning's perfect game was rain-delayed, and a very quick game, just like Browning's was. But um, Wade Miley just kind of masterful the entire game. 114 pitches, that's season high for him. Um, and, you know, one thing that I, I thought about, and we'll get into to the, the, the specifics of the game here if you want, Bill, but uh, there was no, like, Usually in these no-hitters, you see somebody make a great play to save a no-hitter. <laughs> Nobody hit the ball hard against Smiley that night. It was really a, an impressive performance, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he, he had him in the palm of his hand. And it's interesting because this is a team that kind of had beat him up a, a couple weeks before. Um, you know, five innings, five hits, four runs. You know, not a real good performance uh, in, in when he pitched against them down here. Uh, went up there and uh, he, he threw a pretty good ball game. Yeah, I looked it up because it felt like nobody was hitting the ball hard, and the average exit velocity for Cleveland against Miley was 84.7 miles per hour during that game. Now, to give that some context, because who knows what that means, um, entering the game, he was second in all of Major League Baseball in the lowest average exit velocity allowed at 83.6 miles per hour. So listen, he's, he's forcing soft contact, and that's been the key to his success so far, even though he threw... Uh, Faster than ninety miles per hour, only seven times out of those one hundred and fourteen pitches. Do you know what the what the, what the exit velocity average is for Major League Baseball? I don't know what the average is, but I know again, Molly at eighty three point six was second best, so it's somewhere below or somewhere higher, I guess you would say. Yeah, 
Um, I'd, I'd be curious to know what that is for is is a major league average. What the team you know team average velocity is per you know per game or per bat or whatever. Well, why didn't you tell me to do that before the game? And I've done I've done your research for you. Well, you know, I, I I can't I can't think of everything for you, Chad. Oh, I, 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 I appreciate the effort. Um, <laughs> and a, a game score of ninety four is pretty good. That is that is the old uh, Bill James game score and. I just love the fact that he only in this age where it's all velocity, velocity, velocity. He was faster than 90 miles per hour only seven pitches, but he threw 11 pitches slower than 80 miles an hour. It's just wow. it's a throwback. It's a complete throwback, and it's just so much fun. Well, it, and I don't know if you heard, and this is not kind of getting off on a tangent here for just a second, but Chris was talking the other night on one of the broadcasts. I can't remember which one it was, where he said that the Reds were struggling with one of the. I think it was one of the Pittsburgh pitchers. That was throwing Miley like up there, and then when they brought in the hard throwers later, is when the Reds, you know, kind of got back on their game and started teeing off. So it makes me wonder whether the Reds also struggle with these throwback type pitchers. You know, it could be uh, with everything being velocity, velocity, velocity. Maybe there's a more of a, a place for a soft tosser than there used to be. I hope so. Maybe, uh, maybe Bronson Arroyo will uh, will come back. Out of the out of the booth comes Bronson Arroyo. I want to talk a little bit more about Miley, but let's veer over to uh, Arroyo for r- r- quickly. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to him any this weekend? Yeah, I did listen to him. Part of, I think it was the it wasn't the no hitter. It was the the next day. I think I heard part of him. I was in the car. Um, I like him. Uh, he's a lot about he's he's. It's interesting because one of the complaints I've had about Barry. Larkin is that it's all, you know, back when I played and Bronson does a lot of that, but it doesn't grade on me the same way. I don't know why there's a difference, but it, it, it feels different to me. Well, I, I agree with that. And, uh, he doesn't, doesn't do as much of it. I don't think, but, uh, most of it has a, has a point to it. There's kind of a story that has a point to it. I, we were in the car. I didn't listen to him. First of all, Bronson Royo, first game, uh, announcing anything anywhere <laughs> gets a no hitter <laughs> to, to call. So I listened to him the next day as we were driving, uh, for a little while and listen to most of the game and uh, you know partway through the game uh, my wife's sitting there next to me and she says wow barry's gotten a lot better hasn't he <laughs> i said yeah yeah that's that's not barry um well, who is it you know it's bronson arroyo i, I mean just uh, uh he was the reds have r- run a string of these you know former players through the last few years through the radio booth and they're all mediocre at best um, and, and which, you know, if you're not a professional broadcaster, it's not surprising that you'd be mediocre. It's, it's not an easy job. Bronson walks in off the street and he's the, one of the best radio announcers I've ever heard. I mean, Jeff Brantley's great now. I mean, I do really like Jeff Brantley now, but when he first started, he, you talk about grading, he graded on me. Um, I mean, it took a long time for him to, I feel like improve, get better, uh, which is why I ha- have hope for, for Barry Larkin, for example. But, um, but Bronson, I don't know. He's, he's like a natural he just rolls out of bed at 2 a.m. and can announce a, a radio game. Just and, and that may be exactly the truth, knowing what the stories you heard about Bronson over the years. Um, I, I agree with you about Brantley, and I do think he's gotten a lot better. I mean, his play-by-play used to be brutal. I mean, just brutal to listen to. And yeah. he's gotten much, much better. And But even, even back in then, when he started talking about pitching, it's kind of like Chris Welsh, you kind of – you know, he went, okay, that makes some sense. You know, it may have been, it may have been kind of corny when he threw all his other stuff in, but when he talked about pitching, there was something there. 
Now, I, I, I didn't hear enough of the game with Bronson the other day. To, to, did he do play-by-play? Play? Did they trade him off like they normally do? Or did they kind of cover him? That's what I was going to say. Tommy Thrall kind of covered him a little bit. He, he only did uh, he only did uh, color, and he was fantastic. And, and, and similar to, to Brantley, listen, I, you're right about what Brantley no, having the knowledge early on, but that shtick, that, you know, cowboy, that just you know, he still does some of that, but it's not nearly like it was. Um, I hate a guy with an accent, basically, or, or a thick accent. Um, You're just jealous when they got a better accent than you. <laughs> nobody, nobody on earth <laughs> has a better accent than me. But uh, so that, that was part of it. Uh, you know, he, uh, we love Chris Welsh, obviously, but I think he's trying to get into the groove of doing play-by-play on radio. It's not his strong suit because he's not been doing it. It's, it's not easy. And so let's concede that Bronson didn't have to do that. But man, his color commentary was—I'm telling you—it was—it was. And I'm just comparing it to the other. I'm comparing it to anybody actually that sat in there. I think he's as good as uh, as Jeff Brantley, and I think Jeff Brantley's pretty good. Yeah, and, and I want to I want to defend Chris here for a second, and I know you weren't taking a shot at him, but but as you said, Chris hasn't done this. I mean, this is new to him, and he he readily said he has to prepare completely different for baseball than he does for for color on TV or for TV. Um, I have no doubt that Chris will adjust and, and do well, and I'm I just I'm just sorry we're not seeing him as much on television because I watch a lot more games on TV than I do listen to him on the radio these days. Yeah, and he's by far the best color commentator the Reds have had on television in my lifetime. Um, Since Bench, Ben, you know, I don't know how good Johnny Bench was on color, and he only did it for like a year, and this was a long time ago. But he had a miraculous ability to tell you what pitch was coming next. It was amazing. It's almost like he was the best catcher ever. Um, back to Wade Miley for a moment. Yep. Did you see the story that before the game, uh, Miley's four-year-old son Jeb? Gave him a temporary tattoo of the Incredible Hulk. Do you see that story? I'm talking about that. No, we're going to talk about superheroes here. Oh yeah. You don't like talking about superheroes. I, I know it. how you are. Well, the, the Incredible Hulk is my least favorite um, because he is portrayed on film by my arch enemy, whose name shall not be mentioned here. But anyway, uh, his son insisted. Well, that's, only the, that's only the Hulk now, right? Not yeah. the previous Hulk. Yeah, that's, I'm not. We're not talking about Lou Ferrigno here, man. Well, I, I was. There was a Hulk in between there, Chad. I don't know. I, I'm not a comic book guy. That's what I'm saying. Um, anyway, can, can I tell my story, please? <laughs> his son, first of all, his son's name's Jeb, which is great, um, insisted on putting this tattoo on Miley's forearm. And so he said, he said no, I'll put it on my shoulder. <laughs> but his son had to be on his forearm. So um, yeah, he wears the thing and goes out and throws a no-hitter. So now his t- Nick Castellanos and some of the other guys were saying, come on you got to get that thing tattooed on there permanently. That's my question for you. Does Miley have to get that Hulk tattoo permanently on, on his uh, on his arm? If he throws another no-hitter, what did he pitch tomorrow night, I think, uh, then the answer is yes. He says he doesn't have any more of the temporary ones, but he does have a Captain America one. I can't believe that he isn't getting flooded via mail, America, or Federal Express, UPS, with temporary Hulk tattoos. Well, he said his wife went on to order some, so they'll be getting some soon, I guess. Oh, that's funny. Anyway, Wade Miley. That... UPS read so that they'd have him before the game. There you go. <laughs> Why are no-hitters still... I mean, there's been like 20 no-hitters already this season. Why are they so much fun still? I don't know. I, I guess because in the, in the normal course of events, they don't happen very often. I mean, I know you and Chris were talking about them last week, and you were talking about Garrett and home runs and strikeouts, and you know, not happening as often. But you know, they don't happen very often, and, and 
what was this, the, the seventh or something in Reds history? Something like 17th. that? 17th. Okay. Yeah, 17th. And, uh, but, uh, I don't know. They just, the, 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 the I think it's because the anticipation builds throughout the game. And it's, I don't know. Just, it was fun if you were able to, to watch that game or listen to it. You, uh, you had a good time, I think. Let's move on to some other, uh, topics. Um, how about this topic? Uh, let's talk about uh, Amir Garrett quickly. Amir Garrett had his suspension reduced from seven games to five games by Major League Baseball for when he incited that bench-clearing incident with the Cubs. Five-game suspension for that, for yelling really loud. Yep. And as, and as I don't know whether one of you guys talked about it on the podcast last week or I read it on Twitter or whatever, it was all based on the reaction to it. Yeah. Was it? what Garrett did, it was the way the other team reacted. So anytime a pitcher does anything, why wouldn't you jump over the rail and go head towards the mound? (laughs) Right. Get get him suspended. That's what what Javier Baez of the Cubs did. He jumped over the rail in the dugout, came out onto the field to kind of challenge Garrett to a fight or whatever. And, uh, but Baez was punished too. He, he was fined. Yeah. I'm sure he probably had to take his wallet out of his pocket to pay that fine. He probably didn't have to write a check or anything. He probably had some, (laughs) Petty cash laying around, right? Yeah, just a just a joke, just a complete and utter joke. And there's another bit of uh, suspension, uh, or or not really suspension news, but uh, punishment news. Don't have any fun on the field news. We'll talk about when we get to viewer mail. Um, you, you do know that, that they, he really wasn't Manfred really wasn't going to find Baez, but he tripped over his big clown shoes <laughs> and hit the and hit the find button on his desk. He's got a fine. That's why he got fined. Got a fine button on his desk, huh? Got a fine button on his desk, and he Ooh, tripped over his big clown shoes. Well, it's interesting to uh, envision that, but I, somehow I'm not sure that's exactly the way it went down, but I'll take your word for it. Would I lie to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have many times. <laughs> uh, so the Reds placed Joey Votto on the injured list, uh, as we discussed last week, and Shogo Akiyama was activated to take his place. And so, you know, we talked uh, last podcast, Chris and I, Chris Garber and I, what are the Reds going to do? What are they going to? Um, how are they going to shift the uh, the lineup around to cover Votto being out? And we went through a lot of different scenarios, and we really didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about the one that has evidently happened, which is that Eugenio Suarez moved back to third, which is fine, as we will discuss, uh, because he's he's not a shortstop. Um, Mike Mustakas over to first base, and basically now we've got Nixon Zell as your your de facto second baseman. So we need to talk about. The fact that Kyle Farmer is the Reds' starting shortstop at this point, which is what we feared when the season started. I don't want to talk about that, and then I want to talk about... Well, we need, let's go talk about all of it. We need to talk about Suarez, and we do need to talk about the second-base situation. So, But let's start with Kyle Farmer. This is exactly what we were afraid of, right? That Kyle Farmer... And, you know, I don't dislike Kyle Farmer. He's not a starting shortstop, and this is what we talked about all winter. Again, we're back to the point where, oh, yeah, they refused to pick to get a shortstop in the offseason. So here we are, you know, looking at June, uh, or halfway through May, and no shortstop. What are your thoughts? I think that if we're talking about defense, he's no worse defensively than Suarez. Would you agree with that? Oh, he may be better defensively. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll concede that. Yeah, Suarez was not and, good. And, and you and you and Chris kind of both hinted last week that this is probably what the Reds would end up doing. So uh, let's not act like any of us are surprised here. David Bell has a love affair with Kyle Farmer. I mean, there, there's just no doubt. But to be fair to Kyle Farmer, in the five games that, that have gone on and his last in the last seven days, he's played pretty well. 
389. He's got a 476 on base percentage. He's got an OPS of 865 in last week. Now, I, I, is he going to keep that up? Of course he's not going to keep that up. I don't think David Bell's got a love affair with him. I think David Bell went to great lengths to not have to start Kyle Farmer. Well, I mean, he play, he's played him in games where I thought that Blandino was a more obvious choice. <laughs> but, but I will say this. Here, here's the, you guys talked last week about possibly playing Winker at first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do that, then the, so then it comes down to you either got, you're either playing Kyle Farmer or Akiyama. Would you agree with that? Or Jonathan India? Well, we can let's talk about him for a second. He was the last man to get into, into the game the other day. Bell is not playing him at this point. And if they're not going to play India at all, send him down where he can get at bats. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think uh, it's probably time to send Jonathan India down, uh, let him play regularly at AAA, and he'll be back. I mean, this happens. You know, I know everybody was excited. He did start out well, and he looks like he does. I've kind of changed my, my thoughts on him, somewhat anyway. He looks the part. Um, he doesn't look overmatched. Right. But uh, he's not doing not doing any good sitting on, sitting on the bench. So they're playing in uh, AAA now. He probably needs to go down. Um, hey, did you see, though, that Winker was taking uh, infield uh, at first base? Uh, yeah, I heard he was also taking the infield at second base, so I don't know what that means. Ooh, um, left-handed second baseman, I like it. Um, I don't care where you play Jesse Winker, he's just got to play every day. He's an, MV- <laughs> he's an MVP candidate. He's a flat-out MVP candidate. I mean, I, if there's a, if you can name five guys in, in Major League Baseball right now that are hitting the ball better than Jesse Winker, you're going to have to prove it to me. Yeah, no, I mean, he just he, he hits, th- hits it hard everywhere he just he looks like a natural first baseman to me not that he's been awful in left field or anything at least not. in fact i think he's playing better outfield than than, I, than he has in his first few years I, I i think he's gotten better in the outfield well at, at this age he should be uh you know uh yeah, been improving um but i don't know i haven't seen enough to know whether he actually is or no he's not done as many things that make me smack my forehead you know uh he he, he doesn't uh re- he doesn't remind me that he has a bad reputation He's yeah. still not. He's still not playing very well against left-handed pitching. Well, but he's playing so well against right-handed yeah. pitching <laughs> that, I, I, that will overlook the you know the the twenty-nine plate appearances. So I mean, he's got uh, about you know three quarters of his plate appearances are against right-handed hitters or right-handed pitchers, and his OPS is twelve seventy-nine. I know some people were hopeful that his. Uh, Performance in that short season against left-handers might correlate, but okay, maybe it will because he is really good. But let's not forget he's never hit uh, lefties all the way through he's, the minors. He's got six hits and only one extra base hit against left-handers. I mean, he struggled um, against left-handers. Well, again, small sample, but it also, there's yep. a much larger sample of his entire professional career as well, yep. m- minus last year. So, um, so uh, Shogo is back, uh, not getting to play a lot though. And when he has, he has not looked good. No hits in eight plate appearances, two strikeouts, and and and, and hasn't and, and hasn't looked good doing it. I mean, not that you can look good and go zero for eight, but the, the the few at bats that I've seen did not look like he, he doesn't look comfortable at the plate yet. Yeah, you know he hasn't at all really since, uh, except for maybe a brief stretch since he came over uh, to the states. Uh, I still have high hopes for him based on what he was able to do. Uh, before coming to America, but, um, you know, people are clamoring to see him in the lineup, and I get that. 
but uh, I can't hardly, you know, <laughs> he's not showing anything to show, to show me that he deserves to be in there. Um, and I would assume, and I don't know this, somebody I'm sure could tell it. He doesn't have any kind of options or anything like that. Does he? Oh, I doubt it. I'm, I'm sure. He, I can't, I can't believe that he had options when he, you know, when he was so old, you know, older getting. No, he, he signed a major league, major league deal, uh, when he came over. So, um, so I don't know, you know, uh, so looking, looking at fan graphs and this may be wrong, but it says MILB options three. Oh, uh, maybe I, I, I can't believe you can't, uh, I can't believe that's right either, but that's what it says. I don't know. Um, back to the infield, Eugenio Suarez. Okay. Uh, first of all, he's going, he's not a shortstop. So he's back at third. Now I, I presume probably for the rest of the year, um, you he, think? Oh yeah, I don't see him coming back to shortstop. Hmm. What what happened? You, you think? I think Senzel goes back to the outfield when okay. Joey when Joey Votto comes back, and Mustakas goes back to second base. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but uh, there was a way to do this while leaving Suarez at shortstop and letting him get more reps and more comfortable there, with, without you know shifting him back over to third. During this, uh, you know, two week period or however long, it could be longer than that. That Joey Botto is going to be out. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my that's my prediction here. You all can tell me if I'm wrong. Is Suarez going to start hitting? Is a bigger question. Yeah, that's a. I mean, he had a good. He get. He came up. He had a big hit yesterday, uh, in the tenth. Yeah. But and I and I sent you something that Lance McAllister had posted, and this was on Monday. At that point, he was four for his last 50, with three of those hits coming in the Reds' 13 to 12 win. He has two hits in his last 12 at bat, 12 starts, six for his last 72. He's making the softest contact of his career, hitting more ground balls at any point in his career. His batting average versus fastballs is 143, and breaking balls was 132. He started out the season 11 for 65, and has gotten worse with his four for the last 50. He's striking out 36% of his plate appearances. Major League K rate is 21%. And since opening game last year, he's hitting 176 and 313 at bats. That ain't good. It's not good. Um, he has 50 strikeouts. The the, the next uh, cl- closest on the Reds roster is uh, Tucker Barnhart with 34. Now, granted, uh, Suarez has more plate appearances than anyone else on the team, which people are First of all, there's some idiots calling for Suarez to be, you know, sent to the minors, quote unquote, you know, designated for assignment. There are dumb people around. Um, there are people calling for him to be dropped in the lineup, well, and he did get dropped a little bit. And I can, I'm okay with that. Uh, I just, how is it possible that uh, this is the guy? Has he just sold out everything to become? And he does have six home runs as slug, you know. Um, not a great slugging percentage this year, but six home runs and five doubles. I, you know, uh, as he six home runs, which is third on on the Reds uh, team. Um, actually, it's fourth on the Reds team. Now to look at it, um, I don't know. Has his change? Has his swing changed that much? It's just it's a he shows signs of coming out. Everyone, you know, he had that game like I said against the uh, Pirates, and he had another game with three hits uh, the week before. And you, you say, oh yeah, there's that guy. And then it's just struggle after struggle, and it's really it's really frustrating. But what do you do? You got to play him, right? Yeah, you got to play him. I, I, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I can see dropping him in the lineup. Uh, when we when we talked to Chris, you know, a couple of weeks ago, 
Chris talked. It sounded like Chris was a little concerned when he started talking about wanting to hit 50 home runs. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that makes you your, your focus, you know, and especially if you're playing half your games in great American ballpark, because you don't have to try to hit the ball out of the ballpark. If you hit the ball hard and with any kind of loft, it's going out. So, I mean, if Chris is worried about it, then I'm worried about it. Yeah, really. You know, this team and the offense is, is frankly, uh, overall been pretty good. Uh, if you look at league-wide, run score, things like that, they're mm-hmm. w- one of the better offenses around. But, man, without Suarez hitting at all, you know, um, without, you know, frankly, Jonathan India, his numbers, he had a good couple weeks. His numbers are bad. He's got most of the second-base uh, plate appearances. Uh, you know, Senzel has come around a little bit here lately, but, you know, Senzel's not been great. So, I don't know. Uh, there's there's some holes here, and you know now we just added a new one at shortstop. I thought that putting Suarez at shortstop would mean that oh well at least we have the offensive uh, you know we got more bats in the lineup. <laughs> Instead, it just we didn't. He hit like Kyle Farmer, and defended worse than Kyle Farmer at shortstop. Yeah. Oh, yeesh. that's actually true, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's absolutely true. I mean. Do, and you keep saying, well, he can't continue to hit this badly. And, and you watch him some games, and he just looks like he's flailing up there. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm not talking about benching a guy, but, you know, last year they sat Votto down for a couple of days, and it kind of reset him. I don't know these guys well enough to know what, you know, what would might work for him and what wouldn't. But nothing else has worked. So maybe if you gave him a break, you know, to clear his head, to, to, to do, you know, to watch, you know, a game or whatever. I, if nothing, if you're not trying to fix something by doing the same thing, that's what the Bengals do. You know, that's a definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You know, if, if what you're trying to do to get Suarez out of this funk doesn't work, let's try something else. I, and I'm not talking about benching a guy for a week or anything like that. That's crazy. But we got to do something. This team needs him. This team really needs Eugenio Suarez. Uh, just but, the, but the fact that they're hanging around 500 with Suarez being as bad as he's been, Castillo being as bad as he's been, the bullpen being as bad as it's been. Well, there's hope that uh, two of those three are going to improve. Uh, the bullpen, I don't have a whole lot of hope for. But uh, Luis Castillo, let's let's talk about him next again. Uh, and he's pitching tonight, so by the time you listen to this, you'll know what he did. We're recording before the game on Thursday. Uh, he's you know he's one and four ERA of six point four two. Looks okay at sometimes, but most of the most of the season he's just looked like he can't you know can't get a handle on his uh, command, and it's not been it's not been good so far. We're now seven starts in, and so. You know, the question I get all the time on uh, on Twitter, and it's kind of frustrating sometimes because, you know, what's worry? But are you worried about Castillo yet? Are you worried about Suarez yet? I guess if you want to worry, worry. They've been bad. <laughs> you know, I tend to want to just take my take my time and say, well, these are guys that have demonstrated a level of competence in the big leagues. At some point, they have to approach that unless there's something physically wrong with them. And uh, But, you know, we're now... It'll be his eighth start of the season now, and we have not yet seen the Luis Castillo we've come to know and love. So, are you worried? Other than the second game of the season, he's been pretty awful. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know whether his approach. You know, I I'm the you know I'm not Chris Welsh 
God knows. I don't know whether his approach has changed, whether he's, you know, not throwing one of his pitches as much as he used to, as he usually does, whether he can't locate or, or what. But and the the really bad thing is they're one and six in the games he started. Those are the games we expect to win. It's our ace. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you expect you know at worst to be five hundred when your ace is going. Yep. I I, I look at he turns it around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I looked it up. He's throwing thirty eight percent of the time. He's throwing his changeup, and that's the highest of his career. Never been higher than thirty two percent, and that was uh, two years ago. Um, and so in his most recent start, if you notice, he threw a lot more fastballs and looked early in the game, like he was starting to get it. So again, maybe this is me just kind of squinting my eyes. Um, but he's throwing fewer two seam fastballs than he ever has basically his whole career. Um, it's 17% of his pitches are two seamers. And last year it was, uh, 25%. And you, you wonder why that is, you know, somebody, I mean, we're, somebody on the red staff has to see that. Yeah. Yeah, really. Um, here's what's here's what's uh, scare not scaring me. This, that's not the right word because this is this is a little bit. You know, we're, we're picking and choosing numbers here. But his strikeout rate this year is sixteen point eight percent. Okay, um, and again, maybe that's he didn't get he didn't strike out anybody on opening day. So maybe you know it's not been that bad the rest of the time. But still, his career strikeout rate uh, or the last two seasons, his strikeout rate has been twenty nine percent. The last two seasons when he's been. Luis Castillo, and now at 16.8% of batters, he's, he's striking out. That's a huge difference, and when guys are putting ball balls in play that much more often, you're going you're gonna to have trouble. Yeah, I mean, it, it, strikeouts per nine was 11.4 last year. It's seven this year. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's career low right now. Right. So, again, we're still early, you know, but we are at the point in the season where it's fair to, you know, we're, what, six weeks, seven weeks into the season. It's fair to ask these questions. What's going on? Um, while the week players every year start out poorly, even for this long time and return to their, their averages, but, uh, yeesh, it's not been, it's not, not look good for two of the guys that I was counting on that I didn't even think about might not be good this year. Suarez and Castillo, I didn't even cross my mind that those two guys might not be good. So, I mean, I mean, we're 20% into the season here. I mean, it's, it's not an insignificant number, right? It's, and it's getting more significant by the day. Absolutely. Right. So, uh, but I still, I'm still at the point where I'm like, and maybe you're this way or not, you can tell me, but I'm still at the point where I'm like, you know, they're good. They're going to be good. I'm just, I'm not going to, not going to worry too much about it. I'll be honest. I am less concerned about Castillo than I am about Suarez. I get it. I don't, I can't tell you why I feel that way, but that I do feel that way. Let me ask you another question. Cause you, you hit on Senzel and who's playing, who's starting to play better and he's looking much better at the plate. Does the, the, the lack of power concern you at all? Yeah, it was something I was looking at. His on base is not bad, you know. He's uh his his uh he's I don't know why they keep sending him he's not stealing bases very well, but they quit they gotta quit the stolen yeah. base Um Yeah, yeah. I thought we'd see more he's always shown more power in, in in his career. And again, maybe this is a small sample size type thing. We've not seen it yet. Maybe he's just I don't know. He's still trying to figure his way in the in the big leagues, but uh, and, and you watch him at the plate, and you can tell he has a he has an idea, as we say. He you know he he understands the strike zone and doesn't swing too often outside the zone. Swings the pitches he can drive, but he's not. Uh, I, I'm really, really. I don't know if disappointed is the right word. Surprise is a better word. That he has one home run and only four doubles. You yeah. know, in 112 plate appearances, I I, I would. He only had two home runs and six doubles last year. Yeah. So. 
I mean, last year's slugging percentage was 357. This year, right now, it's 333. Uh, and, and when he was in Louisville in 2019, now, I, he played in Louisville, then came up, you know, and his slugging percentage was better with the Reds in 2019 than it was in Louisville. Yeah. So. He's always had pop, uh, not a ton. He's not going to be a 40-home run guy, even a 30-home run guy. But um, if he can – I think that's probably the, the, the missing link at this point. I mean, if he's a second baseman now, and I don't think he's going to be for the long term, uh, but if he is, he's a pretty good second baseman defensively, although he did make uh, the, the error that uh, screwed up uh, Wade Miley's perfect game there at second base. But, you know, he, he needs more reps there at second. But he's, he's so athletic. He's going to be good there. Um he made was I think it was Sunday. He made two really good plays at second base, and one was overturned on a review. And yeah, and, and the, I think it was the next absolutely the next hitter. He made a really nice play. Yeah, no, he's settling in there, and, and defensively he can handle it. Again, we don't know how long he's going to be there, but if he's a second baseman long term, you know the stat line he's got now, or we could maybe expect it to be. You could probably live with that out of your second baseman. Really good defense gets on base, you know. Um. But uh, without a little bit more power, it's going to be it's going to be tough. He can sit at the top of that lineup and 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 do really well. Yeah, and you know that's something I do want to talk about that I forgot to mention to you earlier. You know, Senzel Winker at the top of the order looks pretty good. It's, I was interested to see that uh, David Bell went to that when he went to that while Senzel his numbers weren't great yet, and they're not great now either. But they're steadily climbing and on base percentage uh, touching three forty now. Um, what a top two. I think, I think about all those years that we let off with, you know, Willie Tavares and Corey Patterson, those guys would have dreamed to have a Senzel Winker one, two, you know, ahead of, you know, Votto and Bruce back in the day. But um, that's a, that has the potential to be a really crazy good top of the order, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And, and Castellanos is on base is just 350. I mean, that ain't nothing to sneeze as either. Exactly. Uh, I mean, while we're covering some of these guys that were, do you? I mean, this is again. We're talking sample size, but right now, Tyler Naquin looks like an incredible steal. Yeah, I, I don't see him as anything still. Anything he's been great. I mean, I don't have any issues with him. He's been really good. Uh, no, uh, I, say, well, I say I have no issues with him. Like you know, he's not been really, really good for the team. I mean, he's uh, probably where is he? Uh, actually, he's not not as high in uh, team uh, war as I thought he would have been. Uh, he's only six on the team in war. I would have thought it'd been higher. Uh, he's. I still just think he's a thirty. What's that? His OPS plus is one thirty. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's, not, it's not Winker good, but it's good. <laughs> he had eight home runs though. I mean, yeah, really. Uh, and leads the team in uh, in runs batted in. Uh, he's he's a he's a third fourth outfielder. You yeah. know, I mean, uh, which is yeah, it's a good player. He, he's. Definitely a steal. Uh, to answer your question, I don't. Yeah, and that's my point. I mean, they got him for nothing. I mean, this was this was a, a, a typical Reds move where we'll bring this guy in and see what happens. And this one looks like, at least so far, it's paying off. Well, he has a, he has a pedigree. I mean, you know, he has talent. You know, he was he was I think second rookie of the year voting, and yep. he just he was never able to stay on the field. He's been injured, and so uh, so far so good. He's uh, he's been healthy and he looks looks really good. And now defensively, uh, you know, he's nobody's going to con- confuse him for. Uh, you know, I don't know, name a good defensive outfielder, but uh, as a matter of fact, he dropped one the other day that just ugh, looked like something I wouldn't permit on our beer league softball team. He'd be out of here. I don't know how you can say that because he plays center field. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, but but looking at him though, and, and, I, and you're right about him not being able to stay on the field. Other than his rookie year, he's never played in 100 games. 
Right. Yeah. He's never played in 90 games. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like the guy. I like the guy. Uh, I, I thought he was a fourth outfielder. I can see now that, you know, if he can stay healthy, he could potentially be a starting outfielder. I'm still hesitant to base too much on, you know, 100 at-bats. But uh, he sure looks the part, I guess we can say at this point. Uh, better than that, he's, he's by far the best acquisition the Reds have made. Oh, yeah, they didn't make any other acquisitions. Never mind. This offseason. You want to answer some questions? Sure. We have some viewer mail questions. These questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you too can support the world's most dangerous podcast. Join the family over there. Toss us a couple bucks. And, uh, you know, our Slack channel's been going nuts lately. Uh, and we have a question that comes from the uh, Slack channel here later that I'm looking forward to getting Bill's uh, Bill's going to back my, my position up on that, I think. But anyway, first question comes from Michael Henry, Michael Jordan Henry, new member of the family, who uh, informed us in, in our Slack channel, a new father. And uh, had a, had a, his wife had a baby this week, and uh, just uh, just gorgeous, and uh, very excited for for uh, Michael. And his question was this: Missouri's Dotson and Lack, where's the best place to buy cute Cincinnati Reds onesies for our newest baby? Sincerely, the Henrys. It's a cute baby, but man, don't we got to say, Michael? And I love you for being part of the family. Don't you put that evil on that child? Don't you do it, Ricky Bobby? Don't make that kid a Reds fan. That's a that's a sentence, man. Ooh. What do you think, Bill? I think my son's 30. I, I have no idea where you would buy a onesie. You're not, <laughs> your son's not still wearing onesies? Uh, I, he moved away. I don't know what he does in his spare time. <laughs> I wear onesies about four days a week. Thanks for the question, Michael. Next question. For Congratulations, Pete. Michael. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Comes from our friend Mike Perry. Mike asks this. Chad has made negative comments recently about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Can you elaborate on why you think the Hall of Fame is not in a great place right now? Thanks. Um, good question. I, you know, uh, I'll just try to be brief about this because not everyone is as passionate about the Hall of Fame as I uh, am or used to be. It, it, really, I used to be uh, obsessed is not the right word, but I just, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame meant something to me uh, as a kid. It was really special, and you know, um, I was big into baseball history growing up, and so I, it was just—it was special, always special. Um, made a road trip uh, when I was uh, in uh, in the in law school. Actually, made a road trip up to the Hall of Fame. First time I got to see it, and it was just—it was a—it was a, an important experience that uh, I want to take my son. Haven't yet. I thought I would have by the, by this time, and we haven't. And it's because the last—I don't know—ten years, the baseball writers screwed it up. That's my opinion. The baseball writers completely screwed it up. The Hall of Fame was special to me, but when the best players are not in the Hall of Fame, it's a it's it's what's it's what's the honor there? You know, I mean, uh, clearly, some of the best players ever to play baseball are being prevented uh, by the baseball writers from uh, being inducted. And I know the arguments for why. Okay, whatever. <laughs> they played the games. You know, I just, that's, that's why I think the Hall of Fame is just not, it's still a great museum, I'm sure. And if I think my son, it's because of the museum aspect of it, which was fantastic when I was there, just an amazing museum, if, if you like that sort of thing. But if, if the best players are not going to be enshrined, then what's the point? That's my, that's my not so quick answer. Anything you have to add to that, Bill? Uh, I went to the Baseball Hall of Fame and my one and only visit was, I think, in 1967. 
Wow. And, and my question to you, would, or my, my comment to you would be, there's a lot of players that are in the Hall of Fame that shouldn't be, and there are a lot of players that aren't in the Hall of Fame that should be. It is what it is. I mean, it just... Yeah, well, I can live with the ones that with arguing about the and actually like to argue about the ones that shouldn't be there or that are there. I struggle more with the fact that there are guys that are in that shouldn't be than the fact that there are guys that aren't that maybe should be. Oh, it's com I, completely opposite for me. Yeah, because I, I would think you'd get tired of being wrong. I've never been wrong. I'll, I'll let you know if I ever am. Uh, can, the, you put some, can you put your wife on? Please? She's not here. <laughs> <laughs> she can't come to the phone. She can't come to the phone right now. Um, the best, if the best players are on in, then it's a meaningless honor. And so who cares if there are players in that don't deserve to be there? Because there's no, there's no honor to it. There's no, you know, if, if the very best aren't there, then we can't, we don't even need to have the argument about those that don't deserve to be there because okay. there's no standards. Well, see, and, and, but you're never going to agree. You're never going to get the, the general consensus to agree. See, you want to just go by strictly by stats, by that's, nothing else. That's not true. And you know, that's not true. Yeah. You're trying to slander me on my own podcast. No, I'm not. You can slander, you're slandering yourself. <laughs> Every word I speak, I <laughs> dig myself a deeper hole. I liked the discussions about who should be in and who shouldn't be in. I thought that was the fun of the Hall of Fame. And now that's a meaningless discussion because now well, we you got... Want to put, you want to put DH, DHs in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, you're you're wrong right there. So It's true. Edgar Martinez is a deserving Hall of Famer. Thanks for playing. Billy Hamilton. Four for four yesterday. Four Hall of Famer. Yesterday. I know. I told you that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> What did I say in response? He could be playing shortstop for the Reds right now. <laughs> four for four. We should have Billy Hamilton at shortstop. Uh, good question, Mike. I could, and I, so maybe I will at some point do a deep dive into the Hall of Fame for uh, one of our Patreon podcasts because I, I do have thoughts. Joe Farsing, his question is this. It's directed to Bill. Can you weigh in on our Slack channel discussion about the Duke in our movies channel on, on Slack? Uh, we've been having a discussion about John Wayne, the Duke. Joe says, I think he was a pretty mediocre one-note actor that was the same character in every flick, despite being in several decent-slash-good films, The Searchers, The Shootist, among others. So, what do you think, Bill? Uh, is the Duke, John Wayne, a mediocre one-note actor that was the same character in every flick? Uh, Chad, you know that I'm a huge John Wayne fan. I know. Huge That's why I was John. excited to read this to you. Um, I would say... That to say he's playing the same character in The Quiet Man or Iwo Jima that he played in he wore she wore a yellow ribbon is just silly. Um, I, I think the and I think the Shootist is a is a great film. See how to use the word film like you do there, Chad. I think it's a great movie. The Searcher. It's funny. The Searchers gets probably you know most people would say that's his best movie, and that one kind of leaves me kind of cold. I think he was better in Red River than he was in Searchers. Um, and if there was better on-screen chemistry with any two people than John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara, you'd have to prove it to me. Here's so, my, go ahead. Uh, so I, I, I think a one note actor is, is not correct, but I, I understand what Joe's saying here. Um, there's been a lot of one note actors that made a lot of money over the years. Uh, Burt Reynolds was thought to be a one note actor till very late in his career when he started doing some different stuff. And was and was highly praised for it. Um, I, I think if you compare, you know, the Quiet Man and True Grit, those aren't the same character. You know, it, it's not the same character. It, it's just not. Um, so no, I don't agree with Joe here. Well, I'll tell you where I come down on it, which is uh, maybe in the middle of you two. Uh, 
and, and I'm a big fan of John Wayne uh, as well. You know, I've seen, let's see, I've got it here, I'm pulling it up. I have seen 26 John Wayne movies, which is maybe not as many as you, but it's pretty good for a, you know, a child mm-hmm. of my, my tender age. Um, I think he was a, a one-note actor. I do. But I don't think it was a mediocre one-note actor. I thought that same character that he kind of brought to every film was really uh, compelling. And it really, uh, people uh, responded to it. And and he was pretty clear about the fact that he had to be John Wayne in in his movies. Because people came to see John Wayne. They I think that was especially true as, as he got later in his career. Yeah, the, right. The, you know, the Rio Lobos and the, you know... For, and and the ones in, in that in the in the you know the sixties and in the early seventies I, I think that's absolutely even the non westerns McHugh and what was the other one Brannigan yeah so I don't know go watch John Wayne movies they're pretty good I think. what's your what's your favorite John Wayne movie Jim? uh probably the Searchers I think is it although, I, if I had to pick a favorite it would probably be the Shootist and it hurts me to watch that movie yeah yeah let's move on. Next question comes from our guy, Peter Skills Wills. Peter asks, greetings, Chad and Bill. Happy 513 day to you both. Are you having a good 513 day, Bill? I have had a good day today. I had lunch with my dad. had a great day. Well, good. Two questions from Peter. Why aren't we calling Alex Blandino the Blandino Bandito? That's the first question. I don't have a good answer for that. We probably should be. He doesn't have a big enough mustache. Oh, he does need to get a... Although, listen, I'm not going to criticize anything about Alex Blandino's uh, appearance. He, he's a handsome guy. Okay, He's a nice-looking young man. Yes, he is. Second question is this. When Tyler Naquin steps up to bat, my kids joyfully cheer that Tyler Naked is batting. Are we alone with this association? Yes. You're not alone now because we just put it into everybody's ears. <laughs> Earworm. Yeah, I did not need thanks for nothing, Peter. Ugh. It's a good thing you remember the family. Otherwise, I'd have to block you. Seth Shaner asks, first time, long time viewer here. Finally secured enough funds to join this here community on the Patreon. It doesn't cost that much, but so happy to have you, Seth. My question for you, Chad, should my five-year-old have said the following when a friend of mine offered up that he thought Jesse Winker's swing was better than Joey Votto's? So Seth's friend says he thought Jesse Winker's swing was better than Joey Votto's. And uh, and Seth's five-year-old son says, do you want karate kicked? That's, That's an appropriate response, I think, right? I don't know. Jesse's got a pretty sweet swing. Oh, maybe you need to get karate kicked, Bill Lack. Don't know. Oh, gosh, he does have a... I mean, listen, it's not a criticism about it to say, though, that Winker does have a gorgeous swing. I, I love watching that guy every time he's at the plate. He's Novato, but he's pretty good. Joey Gadeets' question is this. Morning, guys. He must have sent this in the morning. Morning, guys. Hope you're both excellent. Castillo writes the ship tonight, Right? What do you think? From your mouth to God's ear, Joey. Let's speak it into existence. Yes. Castillo writes the ship. Now, next, it's it's a comment. It's not a question, but I'm going to read it really quickly because uh, our friend uh, Mike Mannix, he thinks he's a a, a comedian in every crowd. He thinks he's a comedian. So uh, the way I, at Patreon, you know, when I put out the call for questions, I said, as I would, I desperately need letters, actual letters, because these viewer mail questions are actual letters from actual viewers. Yeah, you keep saying that. If they weren't, would I be able to do this? Yeah, you you could print them out and do that. No, I don't even have a printer. 
So anyway, I said, I need actual letters. So he sent me. So, four- so, so we're, we're going to start a GoFundMe account to buy Chad a printer. <laughs> no, Chad does not want a printer. <laughs> we're paper free here at the Red Leg Nation radio headquarters in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So I said, I needed actual letters. Mike Mannix sent me four letters, an R, an E, a D, and an S. Thank you. That does help. Is he is he Joe Mannix's brother or son or relation? Uh, grandson. Grandson, probably, yeah. Kyle Kapler asks, how was the Jeff Hoffman experience at Bonnaroo? Much like similar acts, it went on way too long. It'll be difficult to remember when it's over. I made the joke uh, when Hoffman was struggling through his last start. I said, oh, you know, I watched the Jeff Hoffman experience at Bonnaroo. It's a music festival for those of you that out there that uh, don't uh, get all the references, all you, all you kids out there. Um, and I said, uh, the show went on way too long. And that's kind of the way I'm starting to feel about Jeff Hoffman. I just, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe the Reds can get him figured out. They, they got all the spin rate gods, you know, uh, in the front office. But sheesh, I'm not seeing much. Are you? No. Right, it's, <laughs> it's time to move on. Yeah, that's about all you can say. What is he now? 4.7 ERA, which doesn't look awful, but man, it's just, he is well, smoking mirrors. It's 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 heading in the wrong direction. Yes. Jackson Lotta asks, uh, so after Miley's no-hitter, that's Wade Miley, not Dave Miley, by the way, Bill. After Thanks. what, you know, okay, Wade Miley's no-hitter, I decided to do a deep dive, in, deep dive into no-hitter history. Among the things I learned was the only player to ever throw consecutive no-hitters was the Cincinnati Reds' own Johnny Vandermeer. Let's opine away on how awesome it would be to see the Reds' own Wade, Wade Miley be the second player to throw consecutive no-hitters in Friday's game against the Rockies. Um, so, yeah, Jackson, that was a you know uh, a great uh, a great moment. Certainly, I don't see Miley doing it, but let's let's just go ahead and say yes, that would be awesome. Actually, can you imagine if if it happened, it would be it would be like historic level. All of a sudden, Wade Miley would be, you know, uh, he'd probably be on, you know, the Johnny Carson show or something. Yeah, it's funny. He talked about doing a little research. So I went in and looked up some stats on the Reds no-hitter expert, Jim Maloney. In 1965, Jim threw a 10-inning no-hitter in which he walked 10 guys and struck out 12. It's <laughs> fantastic. Not a perfect he, game. He threw 187 pitches. Oh, my gosh. It was a different time. <laughs> wow. His, and on the last pitch, his arm, his fingers touched home plate. His arm was stretched. <laughs> I bet. Man, can you imagine? He probably had a cold one that night. I bet he needed a cold one that night. A pack of cigarettes and a cold one. Just enjoying your third no-hitter. Jeff Euchler asks, Actually, that was his first no Oh, my gosh. Can I make a joke without you, well, actually me? No, I can't. Gosh. He did have three, though, right? Yes. Okay. Man. He's inner circle most underrated red of all time, right, Jim Maloney? Absolutely. I think he's – it's hard to argue that he's not the Reds' best pitcher of all time. Oh, I can argue that, but he's in the conversation. Yeah, he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Euchler asks – Two questions. First, isn't it time to call up Chesler Cuthbert? Is there any other answer than that it's always time to call up Chesler Cuthbert, right? What is a Chesler Cuthbert? I had to look up who that was. I thought that might be one of your guys' Simpsons people. (laughs) Simpsons people. Oh. Does it bother anyone that I use Simpsons characters on my uh, my, uh, school exam questions? It probably bothers your kids. They don't, none of them understand any of They don't recognize this, this Simpson reference. Second question from Jeff is when playing beer and inning, 
First of all, I've never played that game. But when playing beer and inning, so I presume that's one beer per inning, how do I account for the base runner on second for extra innings? I think you have to, I think you have to drink one of them seltzer beers. I think I say you account for that. You drink a light, you drink a light beer. Nah, it could be one of these seltzer beers. You, you notice the world went nuts right around the same time that, that these seltzer beers became a thing. I'm just saying they're, they're very popular. They, they truly are. Chuck Nichols asks again. These questions come from our friends at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. You go there, you can uh, you know join the family if you want. You know. Uh, we have a good time uh, talking all week long. It's not just a once a week thing, but uh, we, uh, we we really get along uh, most mostly. Sometimes uh, Joe Farson gets on our nerves, but the, everybody else is really pretty cool. Chuck is among those that's pretty cool. Hey guys, hope you had a good week. How awesome is Wade Miley? I do enjoy the quick way he works on the mound. By the way, Chad, what's your address so we can all send you some letters? Yeah, not gonna not gonna post that, Chuck. Nice try, but now I will say this: I, I, I've got some plans for the summer. Now, I'm going to have some time maybe to work on some of this stuff to change some things around around here. And we've talked about, I don't know if this is one of the things we'll do, but we've talked about maybe doing, you know, uh, doing this podcast by video and uh, posting up on, on the YouTubes. If we ever do a video podcast, I'm telling you, I'm going to get a P.O. box. And you can send me letters so that I can hold them up and show you that we have an actual letter from an actual viewer. Man, this, this whole viewer mail shtick has gone on way too long, hasn't it, Bill? Way. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's a it's a part of the it's a part of the tradition here now. Um, yes, I do enjoy the way Wade Malley works on the mound as well. Next question comes from my friend. And and, and, and to be fair, before the season start, there was no one that talked Wade Miley up as much as Chad Dotson. Well, I appreciate that, Bill. That's a, actually the kindest thing you've ever said about me. And, it, and don't wait for the next one. <laughs> it is true not to toot my own horn, really. And it wasn't like I was saying he was going to be an all-star. In fact, I said specifically he's not going to be an all-star. But I, was, I couldn't believe how much people were upset that he was in the rotation. I was like, this guy's been successful his whole career. And you see him for, you know, what, 14 innings last year when he was hurt most of the time. And you'd say, why are the Reds wasting their time? I thought he was going to be a perfectly capable fifth starter, at least. Um, and the way he's pitching, you know, he could be a third starter for this team. Um, yeah, he waited back. All right, next question comes from my buddy Richard Stallard. Richard asks this, which of the following will happen next in baseball? He gives us four options. Pitcher wins 30 games. Hitter hits 400. A team wins 125 games. Or Reds ownership matches Dodgers dollar for dollar in payroll. So let's, let's run through those. And I'm going to let you answer it, Bill. Pitcher wins 30 games. Last pitcher to win 30 games. Denny McClain, 1968. So, before my before I was even born, Bill. Last 400 hitter, Ted Williams, 1941, before you were born. Yep. The next question was uh, a team to win 125 games. Well, the 1906 Cubs and the 2001 Mariners have won 116 games. That's the most anybody's ever won. So, I think we can probably discard that one. Or the Reds. Matching the Dodgers dollar for dollar in payroll. Which of those following is, uh, of those choices will happen next? I, I think you can disregard the last one too, uh, <laughs> unless you know Bill Gates buys the Reds as, as a you know a divorce present. Um, I, I, if those are my only choices, I would probably say hitter hits four hundred. 
because there ain't a pitcher, a starter that's going to get enough starts to win 30 games. And I, if those are my choices, I'll take hitter hits 400. I think to me, it's pretty clearly as crazy as this sounds. Reds ownership matches Dodgers dollar for dollar in payroll for, for two reasons. Number one, that's actually happened in my lifetime. So, you know, I've seen that where I've not seen any other things. Um, and the second reason is no pitcher's ever going to win 30 games. I hate to say never, but I can't envision. <laughs> Maybe baseball changes enough sometime 50 years into the future that it will. And I can't see a hitter hitting 400. It's been, you know. No, I can't either. Over, it's been 80 it's years. It's ownership matching the dollars at Dodgers either. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a slim chance on that one. But maybe we do get, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Elon Musk uh, buys buys the Reds and, you know, pays the payroll in Bitcoin. Um, so, I don't know. That's that's a, that makes me sad, actually. Rex Scott. Rex Scott. Boy, that's a, that's a name right there. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a name you can really, you know, I don't know. That's a baseball name. That's a good baseball name. It's a good name. Is there a legitimate hope that the Reds will trade for some badly needed relief pitching before the deadline? If so, which are the best arms likely to be on the market? Again, I think all arms are probably on the market, really, uh, in some form or fashion. I think there's a chance that the Reds will trade for someone, but we need to have a caveat that it's not going to be anyone that costs any amount of money. Uh, But they need relief help. Bad, but I I don't know. <laughs> this bullpen. Who's good in this bullpen? Well. T.J. Antone, consistently good. And consistently good. And consistently like. I, I think Sims is better than he's pitched. Sims is good. Um, Garrett's better think, than he's pitched. I think Garrett's better than he pitched. Uh, I, I've been impressed with Hembry. You know, seven uh, games, uh, just a you know, seven two thirds innings. But you're right. I hadn't walked. Uh, I think he walked a couple. But again, he's 32 years old. We, he, he is what he is. But I agree. He is what he is. But you know, he can be. He's he's a service, serviceable reliever. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Um, if we didn't have the stupid three batter rule, I think Doolittle would be a really good reliever. Yeah, pick I'd your spots. Yeah. Right-handed hitter, but right. Um, I. I I still think there's a chance you see Hunter Green before these seasons up. Yeah, you're. Uh, I was gonna push put that off uh, till later because uh, we have another question sort of about that. But and I was gonna say it at that time. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that there's a better chance that we get one of these uh, yeah. minor league guys. I think he or Lodolo in the big or league both. Bull, or both in the big league bullpen. Then we trade for someone substantial. Yeah, uh, as I a reliever. Um, and I don't know that I want to give up a whole lot for for a. Uh, a reliever, you know. No, I don't. So, I don't know. It's a tough call because they've they've been bad. They've been really bad, and um, we had two uh, serviceable relievers that we just let go for free, which is what's so frustrating about it. But I, I think we're more likely to see the minor league guys. It's a good question, though, Rex. Next, yep. next question comes from Charles Zollers. Charles asks this: Which is more likely to happen sooner, the Reds winning a playoff series for the first time in my lifetime, or the Bengals winning a playoff game for the first time in my lifetime? If either of them will happen at all, now, Charles is one of the one of our youngsters. We got him on both ends of the spectrum here in the Red Leg Nation radio family. Um, he's one of our younger spectators, but they don't want a playoff series either either uh, franchise in his entire lifetime. Is that going to end? Who's going to who's going to be the first one to do it? 
You're the Bengals I, expert. That's why I'm giving it to you. I, I want my initial reaction would be say the Bengals win a playoff game before the Reds win a playoff series, but I, you could flip a coin, and I wouldn't argue with you either way. Yeah, that's a tough question. It's kind of sad at this point still. So the the Reds' last playoff series win was '95. The Bengals' last playoff win was when was it? '91, 90, I think. '91, yeah. Um, yikes, that's a long time. Yay, Cincinnati sports! Yahoo! <laughs> FC Cincinnati's garbage too. <sighs> Rich Thompson asks us, "Gentlemen, that's come on. There's one gentleman here." And there's like, whenever anybody says that, it always reminds me of that Three Stooges bit, you know, where there's a gentleman and they all three turn around and look behind them. <laughs> but the only reason I keep you around is because the classic Three Stooges references. Keep them up. I, me, I love me some Stooges, man. <laughs> Speaking of the Stooges, the Reds. <laughs> with question from Rich is with Castillo and Hoffman currently struggling. Boy, it's hard to. Rich, you know, I love you. He's my buddy from William and Mary University, and uh, always comes up with good questions for us, but. I hate to see Castillo and Hoffman the same sentence <laughs> like that. Uh, I don't think you can compare those two necessarily, but I know what you're saying. With them currently struggling, do you think it's time for the Reds to call up either Tony Santillan, Hunter Green, or Nick Lodolo to fortify the pitching? In doing so, I could envision Antone stepping into the rotation, any of the aforementioned filling another rotation spot, or bolstering the bullpen. Do you think the Reds are or will consider such a move? If so, what are the likely scenarios in your opinion? I think the Reds will be uh, considered such a move. I think they showed us this year that they're so desperate because they weren't allowed to go get people that they brought Jonathan Indy up when they never would have in the past, you know, without making, making him at least wait, uh, play service time games with him. Uh, I think there's a pl- – I don't have any reason to believe. This is all speculation. Sometimes I have, uh, you know, educated guesses. This is not one of those. But I really believe Hunter Green is going to be here this year by the end of the season. Unless the Reds fall completely out of the race, then they won't do it. Um and, and he continues to look as good as he has in his first couple of starts. Right, right, right. Let's talk about those three, by the way. Tony Santion, you know, was the best pitching prospect in the organization two years ago, and or three years ago, I guess, and it kind of fell off the map because he was really bad in, when he got to a AAA. Well, he's back at Louisville this year, just 24. Two uh, appearances so far, started two games, ERA 1.13. So just eight innings, but he has dazzled in those eight innings. 13 strikeouts, two just two walks. Um Really, really has looked good. Uh, and then down in double A at Chattanooga, Hunter Green, you know, uh, two starts as well, 10 innings pitched, five hits, 15 strikeouts, and only one walk. I'm just, and throwing, we talked about it last week, just throwing 100 mile per, per hour pitch after 100 mile per hour pitch is amazing. And the Nicoladolo, though, is as good as any of them. He's had two starts, eight and third innings, 13 strikeouts, four walks. But these are three, you know, Santiago maybe not. I don't know. He, he had the pedigree. He was a top pr- prospect in the organization um, a couple years ago. Green Lodolo, first-round picks. Maybe some, if we if, if, if the Miley's and some of these guys can kind of get us through this stretch, maybe there's some help coming, and uh, I could see them helping. I could see any of those three helping the bullpen this year or the rotation. Now, what say you, Bill? I agree. I think that... We've got three guys. For one thing, I agree with you about the, the, the premise of the question. I would say with Castillo currently struggling and Hoffman being Hoffman. Right. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you said San, 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 how do you, how do you pronounce it? Santion? Santion. Tony Santion. Santion. It's 24. Green is what? 21, 22? 
Hunter Green is uh, 14. No, he's 21, and Nick Lodolo is 23. 23. So three guys under the age of 24. Yeah. 24 and under. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Um, I, I, I more see them bringing up Green for the bullpen than I do Lodolo. He's kind of a starter. Yeah. For that profile. Not that I don't think you can do that, but they don't do that. And he's a lefty. Um, now, if they lose somebody out of the rotation, you know, Sonny Gray's had injury problems over the t- over the years. If Lodolo's pitching well, I think Green and Lodolo will both be in AAA by mid-June. Yeah. If, if they continue to pitch well. Right, and, uh, and then you got Santion Green and Lodolo in the bull in the in the rotation at Louisville. That was awesome. I'm about Louisville, watch me some baseball. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> and in the bullpen down there, Brandon Finnegan. Yeah, you know who the next red that's going to be called up from the minors to start a game though is? I'm telling you, they just resigned him. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Tim Adelman. Tim Adelman is back with the Reds. You're killing me, Tim Adelman. Oh my gosh, thirty-three years old. Good for him. Glad to have you back. Uh, yeah, that's uh, you know again that all of a sudden you start to see maybe on the pitching side things are looking uh, good for the, the near-term future. So got to keep scoring runs, I guess. All right, one more question here. Sure. Let's do one more question. It comes from our buddy Risto Neely, and I wanted to talk about this earlier when we were talking about Blandino, but uh, I saved it because we had this question. Risto's question is this, Chad and Bill, once again, selective discipline has reared its ugly head against the Reds. After Alex Blandino's valiant performance in the National Anthem standoff, MLB and all its hypocrisy warned David Bell this kind of activity ends now, but failed to warn Pittsburgh's manager, whose player also participated. When will this hypocrisy end? Okay, let me, Bill, I want you to, uh, I wanted to talk about when we were talking about Amir Garrett earlier, so I'll, I'll let you comment on it. But first, let me just, for those of you that didn't see it, let me kind of lay out what happened. Alex Mandino, evidently he'd been doing this for a while, but Alex Mandino and a player for the Pirates, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, before uh, one of those games, he uh, they stood out there for the National Anthem, and then everybody else went back into the dugout or went about their business, and, and Alex Mandino stayed at attention, facing the flag, after the National Anthem was over. And this, the Pirates uh, player did as well. And they kind of like had a standoff as to who was going to be the first to give up and go in the in the uh in the dugout and the players for the teams were like, especially with the Reds, they were really like egging on Blandino and they were Blandino trying to keep from laughing. And it was, it was a fun, it was a fun moment. It was just a, you know, a moment of just levity on the baseball field that, uh, was, was, it was just, it was fun. That's the only way I can describe it. And Blando ends up winning because the, he, because the umpire came and warned both of them. <laughs> the umpire looked mad at these two guys. And, Warned both of them to get off the field, and finally they did. So the next day, uh, David Bell says that uh, MLB said, no, can't do that anymore. After their Twitter account, I tweeted it out like two or three times. Um, Now, I I guess I have to disagree with Risto. I don't know that they they didn't warn Pittsburgh's manager. I'm guessing they probably did. Uh, We don't don't know that they didn't. So so I don't think it's hypocrisy that the the Reds getting, uh, you know, unequal treatment from the Pirates. But the fact of the matter is, my goodness gracious. Why are the Reds continually getting, uh, you know, getting the attention of, of the league office for just having fun? I mean, this is a ridiculous thing to even, I know it's not a suspension here, but even warn them about. So, Bill, take it away. One thing, I think this is stupid. The, the, the whole 
standoff, face-off, whatever you want to call this thing. Blandino's been doing this for years. He talked about it. He, he's done it back into high school. They talked about this on the TV broadcast the other day. And then in the TV broadcast, they also talked about in, in some, uh, I think it was an Australian league, they did this, and it lasted into the third inning. So how do you, I mean, if it's going on, how do you end it? I mean, to me, it's just ridiculous. Why end it? I'm not, I'm not saying Major League Baseball is right, but I'm saying I think this is idiotic. What's idiotic, specifically? But this whole standoff thing i <laughs> boy you really you're leaning into the guilt of clouds as i get off my lawn today really if there if he wants to stand out there after the star spangled banner how do you start the game should he be allowed to stand out there long enough that he holds up the start of the ball game no and he didn't he never has but if that's because usually there has never been another guy on the other on the other side of the field that's dead there too. Okay, the umpire. So if the two of them are standing there. How long do you let it go on? As long as the umpire did let it go on, for first pitch. Why does it have to be a disciplinary situation? I didn't say it did. I just said I think it's stupid. <laughs> oh man, you never, you never felt you, you never let me down, Bill. I I I go to, I go to I watch a ball game to watch a ball game, not to watch Alex Blandino stand on the freaking foul line. I mean, that's any, I, you genuinely surprised me. Well, let's just, you know, let's have jugglers and, and, and people doing cartwheels in the outfield and, and, you know, sure. Why not? Let's have fun. Can't we have fun? Baseball's fun. That's why we go to the ballpark. Okay. All right. So we just need to keep it between the lines and not get too excited out there because that's, that's not baseball. That's not what I'm talking about. It's <laughs> not what I said. Bill, my friend, I love talking to you. Can I just can I just say that we've been having these uh, discussions for many, many years now. We've been having these arguments for how many years now? Gosh, it's a quarter of a century. Probably. Yeah, probably for real. So, I love it. All right, Bill. Um, good talking to you. This is Red Leg Nation Radio, the world's most dangerous podcast, episode number three hundred and seventy-five. Uh, you can come over to join us at Patreon.com/slash Red Leg Radio. You can find us at. Redleg at Redleg Radio on Twitter. Find him at Bill Redleg N, and I'm at Dotson C on Twitter. If you want to do that thing, um, you'll find us at RedlegNation.com as well. Reds news and analysis, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Hey, been good talking to you, Bill. We'll Always do- good talking to you, my friend. All right, for Bill Lack and Wade Miley, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.